Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the Western Hunting Hub podcast. In this episode, I have Derek Ming from uh, Instagram. Just a guy I know from uh, on Instagram. And uh, had a great conversation with him, just learning about his barriers and everything he's overcome uh, since a major incident and what's happened there with his hunting and what hunting has done for him. So a great story, good listen, and thanks for listening again. All right, Derek, thanks for jumping on the podcast with me this morning and chatting a little bit about your story, your life, and uh, uh, what you'd like to do. So if you wouldn't mind, just introduce yourself, who you are, and what you're about. Stoke, yeah. Thanks for having me on. My name's Derek Damun. I uh, I'm 34. I'm a T8 paraplegic. It means I broke my back, my spine right underneath the right underneath my chest. So I got good arm strength and good arm mobility, but the legs just ain't working the way they used to. But um, hasn't stopped me from you know seeing seeing God's creation, what he's got out there for me and, uh, just getting in the field and being able to harvest all kinds of animals across our, our beautiful country we got here. Yeah. So, uh, T8, your thoracic, I'm assuming that has to do with the thoracic lumbar. Yeah. 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 And your eighth one. So yeah, it's like right, right in the middle. Huh? So, uh, if you don't mind, tell us what happened. Like what, what, uh, what was the, what was the injury? Cause I know, I mean, you scrolling through the Instagram, this was not a since birth thing. This was a, this was an incident. No. Yeah. I, uh, so before I got hurt working, I was, uh, traveling the world snowboarding. I would chase winter. I would get our winter up here. And then during our summer, I would fly south of the equator for their winter and, was doing that for a couple years and when I was working a side job up in Lake Tahoe and I fell off a roof working construction 
it wasn't a big roof. It was about 11 feet. But I, the way I had slipped, I had landed um, shoulders, shoulders and head first. So I hit the ground and folded in half and took a took about eight staples to the back of my head and yeah it was um it was an eye opener for sure but my goodness yeah it is is what it is yeah yeah Uh, it's it's the cards were dealt and we we move on from that you Uh, have to what uh so tell me about kind of what you're what you're doing before that with the snowboarding just cruising or traveling the world i mean obviously that's it's kind of a big deal is that done professionally or is that just out at something you've loved to do um or yeah tell me tell us a little bit about that yes yeah, so it wasn't professionally i was just doing it for fun you know as 17 18 19 20 21 just trying to see the world travel you know it just yeah, everyone I talked to said, oh, travel while you're young, this and that. So I, I, t- I took them up on it and uh, got to see some really cool places, Australia, all over all over America. I was going down to New Zealand. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of really beautiful places, and I wanted to check them out while I was able to do something that I loved. So, wow. It was fun. And, fun. Yeah, and uh, did you? what was you didn't hunt before the injury no but no, I didn't. what was your thoughts about hunting where like it's like it wasn't even in existence or it was something you wanted to do what where was hunting in your life before the injury i always always had a passion to hunt um never got to it was always trying to figure out the next step on how to how to jump into that because you know i was traveling around in the mountains and i was coming up so what i would do is i would do a lot of backcountry snowboarding and throw my snowshoes on and me and friends would travel miles in the backcountry and you know we're coming across beautiful bull elk and giant moose all kinds of mule deer you know everything all the boys do nowadays you know and it was always something that had uh, sparked my passion, and um, I just never really got into it until a couple of years after my injury. My uncle had um, given me the opportunity. He did some work for a friend down in Kansas, and the, his friend offered him a free whitetail hunt, or not free, but a whitetail hunt for all the work that he had done. And my, I had put mention out to my uncle. My uncle's down in South Arizona. He's a coo, a coos hunter, and um, and my uncle talked to the guy and asked if his nephew could do it. And yeah, been hooked ever since. Do uh, I know there's all kinds of adaptive equipment for snowboarding, skiing? Is that still in your life, or have you just switched gears to hunting? Is my life now. Um, I, I, I dip in, I dip into the ski scene a couple times, a, a couple times a year. I had actually just gotten back about a week from a week, a weekend out in our local mountains up here. It was cool too. It was like, I got to go with some buddies that I rode with back in high school for the first time in 15 years. So that was, uh, that was fun, but yeah, it's mainly, I'm just, my passion right now is just hunting and fishing and the outdoors life and you know i'm gonna try to i want to try to see where that could take me nowadays 
So, you know, when you find something you're passionate about, you stick with it and do it a hundred percent. So. Yeah. What do you, why, why the hunting? Why? I mean, you're and and you can talk about in both hunting or sorry, as hunting as well as skiing and being up in the mountains, you're out exploring creation and you're enjoying the woods and, and you're still enjoying the, the elk and the mule deer and all of the things you're seeing. So you're getting both in each activity. Why are you gravitating towards hunting so much now? Like what is that doing for you that, that the skiing snowboarding didn't? Wow. Um, so when I, when I was skiing and snowboarding, it was the, the adrenaline rush that you get going super fast and whatnot and, you know, and just the, the, the danger aspect of being, so when I was snowboarding and in the backcountry, you're always worried about avalanches and you never know if the ground's just going to give out from underneath you. Well, after I got, after I got hurt, I'm, you know, once I'm skiing now, but I'm only skiing like intermediate slopes and I'm not going very fast because I'm frankly not like very good at it, but with hunting, I just I'm able to I'm able to get that uh, that adrenaline rush and that sense of adventure of hiking or not so much hiking but just getting out to places I've never been before and seeing stuff I've never seen and and it's just it's honestly once once I harvested my first doe and the the shakes that I got afterwards i had found something that had you know filled that void that was taken from my life and that adrenaline that adrenaline was there and uh yeah and and there's there's just something about seeing these animals on you know on the hoof and it's just beautiful and being up being up before the sun you know going going to sleep when the sun's down and just seeing nature wake up and yeah, God, God's got us in a, a beautiful place of just trying to take full advantage while I'm here. Absolutely. And the, help us with the timeline of this from, uh, injury to first doe hunt to now how many years kind of what has, has gone by. Okay. So I got hurt, um, when I, probably three months after my 21st birthday in 2009 uh, had a really hard couple of years trying to adjust to a new lifestyle going from traveling this world as a young guy and I had my whole life planned out I was becoming a paramedic taking courses and doing all that fun stuff and then I then once I got hurt it was probably about three or four years into my injury and um my yeah my uncle reached out and i've been been hunting ever since so i'm 34 now i got hurt at 21 so i've been hunting about nine years yeah 13 years later from the accident so uh nine years of hunting and i'll tell you what you look pretty uh, uh blessed with the stories that i've i've kind of got an outline on haven't heard any of these stories but uh definitely looks like some adventures you've been on been able to get out and see the the hunting world 
maybe you're not traveling too terrible far, but you're as a hunter, you're traveling a long ways from Southern California out to Kansas to, uh, I'm not sure where you shot your alligator to, um, I mean, you're out, you're getting into elk country, you're, you're traveling, you're still traveling and getting to see some of the U S and some, some beautiful country. So let's just look at your, your doe hunt. Tell it, break that one down. I feel like, yeah, you've got a really nice Kansas whitetail. I want to hear about a doe story. Cause that one's your first one. Oh yeah. So my first, my first doe hunt out in South, Southeast Kansas, we get out there. It's me my dad and my uncle and, um, they're going through one of the coldest stretches they've had in about a hundred years. We were out in the blind the first morning and it was negative 11 degrees. It was so cold. Our little portable heater that we had in our, uh, in our blind had frozen over. So yeah, it's, it's not- negative six here right now in South Dakota. <laughs> so it's, not, it's not weather I want to go out doing a whole lot of hunting in right now. It's good mountain lion hunting weather, but, um, we got to wait for the snow to stop. So anyway, it's yeah. cold. It's cold. Frigid, frigid, man. Um, yeah, it was, it was cold. So the first, we tried to do that the first, like two or three mornings. And then we were just like, you know, and there, there was not, there was nothing moving no no deer no squirrels no nothing everything everything was smarter than we were so but i'm telling you man in the afternoons holy moly dude it was just it was a parade of animals parade of whitetail and uh about the third third afternoon in decided to finally finally take one because my uncle had had me holding off for a, a buck but out there in Kansas, you're allowed one doe. You're either allowed two does or one doe and a buck. So my that first doe, we we had a we had a pile of corn out there out there you can bait. So we had a pile of corn and the doe. The, you know, and everyone says, "Oh yeah, buck fever." And I was like preparing myself, like, "Yeah, you're not going to get buck fever. This and that. You're better than that." Blah blah blah, man. I, I put my optic on that doe, dude. I was shaking. I had a tunnel vision. It was, it was, it was fun. I was, and I was just like giggling to myself. Like, I can't believe this is happening right now. Like, I get I, doe, I get doe fever for other people when I'm not even the hunter. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's I, no joke. It, it's a it, as in a adrenaline rush uh, and. It's just the way it is. I mean, just does coming in. It doesn't matter. You can get that excitement. And if you don't have that excitement, then I don't know what's wrong with you. But there's an excitement, even with a little doe coming coming in really close and having that happen over and over and over again. It doesn't go away. It really doesn't go away. That's cool. Yeah, it was fun. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I put put it on the, in the, on the sweet slot and got a 30-06. Put one, put one right in the boiler maker. She she didn't go twenty, piled up, and from there, you know, like just absolute adrenaline dump. My hands were shaking, arms were shaking. I was huffing and puffing, and I was like, "All right, cool." You know, like I th- I've I haven't had that adger- that dose of adrenaline. I, honestly, I haven't had that kind of that kind of adrenaline for years even even snowboarding. Hmm. 
I just wasn't wasn't used to having an adrenaline dump all at once. Like, right. you know, when you're snowboarding, it's kind of like slowly building and then slowly working its way. But having everything just dump on you at once was, yeah, it was pretty entertaining, man. It was good fun. <laughs> but I was, yeah, from there, there on out, I was like, all right, I think I found something that can allow me to live life the way I want to live it. That's awesome. What about your your family? Did besides obviously your uncle has a hunting background. Was hunting anything anyone else in your family did? Where did you see hunting growing up? No, it was just just straight my uncle. Um, I you know I I caught glimpses here and there of hunting shows on TV, but. It was just it was just never something that was prominent, especially where I live, you know, there's not not too much hunting. I mean, you you drive a couple hours out into the desert and up north and whatnot, but uh Yeah. I I don't know. It, it was just something that was just always in the back of my mind, just calling. Nature's calling. Yeah. No, especially where you're living, it's not a it probably takes a little bit to get out of town and get into places where there's going to be some, some wildlife, I bet. And, and then also, uh, I would think Southern California is not an easy place to, to be a hunter now, nowadays with, yeah. all your, with all your lions running around eating all your deer, but oh yeah, they're everywhere That's and you can't harvest them at all. So, yeah. So what, what, uh, what equipment are you using to get around? Um, and what kind of support do you need to do that sort of thing? I was just thinking, I mean, you've mentioned uh, some antelope you've, sh you've shot from a blind. I even think about, you got you got that little triangle door. I mean, you still got to get in the thing. Uh, what what uh, what equipment are you using to, to get from A to B? So I have an off-road wheelchair made by Colors. Um, and it's got... Big, I got big eight-inch casters. The casters are the two front smaller wheels, and then I got um, my big my main tires are big mountain bike tires. So I use so I work out I work out in the gym about you know five to six days a week, just building my upper body. I I obviously I obviously need help because I'm not able to go over logs or through. Sure creeks and whatnot like that but i i try to do everything possibly on my own you know just try to feel as independent as possible um so other than that i got you know i'll, I'll have friends help me to to and fro certain spots if i if i need it you know and i i let them know like hey don't help me unless i ask for it type of deal mm -hmm. uh, but realistically i'm like I said, I have great use of my upper arms for archery. I got a Hoyt compound. I shoot compound. Um, rifle. You know, throw it up on a tripod, bipod. And uh, not not too not too much anything out of, like, any, anything special. But sure. uh, it's mainly just my, my off-road manual chair that I – that gets me the places I need to get because I have – a little tiny street chair and it's got little two inch wide tires if that you know and that's just not gonna work but that off-road wheelchair 
works amazing. I have a whole shock system on it in the back that, you know, since we're going over rocks, divots, holes, all that, it really helps my spine, you know, because the spine, my spine could only take so much because I'm, you know, sitting, sitting around all day. But yeah, what you said, it's manual. So you powered by you or yeah. uh, have you, have you ever tried track chairs or anything or they just, never... I have not tried a track chair yet. No, I've heard all about them. Um, there's, there's pros and cons to everything. So mm -hmm. with the track chair, you, you don't need people to push you. You could go long distances, but let's say you, you know, you needed to go over something really big or something like that. Those track chairs are, you're not getting it over extremely heavy chairs, you know? Um, so, but that's cool with the, with the manual chair, I'm able to, you know, whoever's with me can easily just pop me in a wheelie, pop me up and over it. Um, but oh, that makes sense. I plan on doing the, uh, the mountain archery fest down in Southern Utah and they have track track chairs coming out there and they got their own, um, their own little course for the wheelchair adaptable people out there. So I'm going to, when I go out there for that art, that archery show, uh, little shindig. I'm going to get on my first track chair. Nice. Well, that'll be good. I, I know a lot of state agencies are, are bringing those out as a rentable thing, like free rentable. Um, so I don't know what all states I know here in South Dakota, that's a availability thing. I think Wyoming might, uh, I'm not sure about Montana, but I know there's some states that are, that are, uh, have those available for people to, to utilize. So maybe, maybe something to check out. I don't know what, what other places, um, would, but just for something to, to, to get you, uh, if it's, as long as it's maybe an open prairie or whatever, you can get out <clears throat> into that prairie a little bit better or something like that. Uh, who knows? It could be, could be a, a good option, but pretty cool. Um, what, uh, tell us about this, uh, this, Kansas whitetail story, not your doe hunt, but did you go back or was this a, you shot your doe and then you filled your, your buck tag? Oh yeah. No, this was a, uh, the buck was a couple, couple years down the line. Um, so me and my dad, we hunted in the morning, didn't see anything. Uh, went, went back to our hotel, got lunch and we decided, I was like, you know, like I came all the way out here. I, I want to go. I'd rather go and sit in a blind out in nature than sit in a hotel and wait for time to fly by. So I was like, yeah, absolutely. So we, we get out there. We get in the blind around one one forty five. We're get we're getting in the blind. We're we're just getting just getting ready because um, I with my wheelchair and stuff, we got to figure out spacing and how to do all that as quietly as possible on the fly so we get in there we're sitting in the <laughs> sitting in our blind and we're going and then a doe a doe pops out of the bushes out of completely nowhere and when we're in the blind and we can't be like hey hey dear you know so it's just tap taps on my dad's leg he knows he knows that signal so he he immediately goes quiet it's those coming out of the bush we have a we have a corn feeder probably about 80 yards in front of us so we're sitting there the stove's going towards the corn feeder and i'm watching the dough and i catch something out of the corner of my eye i'm like 
what, what is that? And like, I, I push my dad back a little bit and I look around and the biggest whitetail I ever seen in my entire life following this doe, this came out of the same exact spot she was. He had his nose down, licking his nose, tail up, shakes his tail, puts his nose down. You know, the whole, the whole sign that she, this doe was hot. And out in Kansas, when we were out there, it was about the, the 8th of December. So we're in the second rut, the post rut around, yeah, it was around that time. Yeah, the second rut. So um, this, yeah, this doe was hot. And this guy came out. He comes about, I give him time to walk about another 40 yards to come out into the field. And... And so I go and I have my dad. I'm like, hey, he's right there. Look at my my dad's like. We we never we've never seen a buck over 120 inches, huh. and um, so we we're both blown away by this guy. And I get I get my my rifle up on up on the windowsill on on our bean bag. Get my optic right on him. Put put it right in the center spot. I go. Meh. And he stops and he looks at me and I pull the trigger and click. I'm like, oh my gosh, dude, this is not happening right now. Like since we had just gotten into that blind, I hadn't even put one in the chamber yet. I was like, oh no. Like, but after, after a couple, a couple years of hunting, you know, so I was like, all right, dude, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let this deter me i'm not you know so slowly and quietly i grabbed a bullet and slowly racked it well this is at the meantime this this buck was so concentrated on that doe he had Did he even look he, he glanced over he glanced over and what when it when it clicked by the time i got that round in there he was already he saw her starting to get farther away from him, and but once he got eyes on her, he was like, "Oh, okay." So he he started trotting off, and I'm like, "Oh no, this thing's about to run out of my life. I can't believe this is happening." Uh, go and they get out to about that corn feeder, about eighty yards, and the doe takes off into the trees, and and I had my so I had my optic on this, following this buck now, and I was like, "All right." Once he, before he gets into that tree, I'm going to stop him. But this buck, right when he gets to the tree line, he stops, pivots, and looks back like, you know, what was that 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 buck I, I heard earlier? I heard a buck or I heard something earlier. I just want to make sure he's not coming after my doe, too. Yeah, he, he stopped perfectly broadside, and I, I center punched him. And he went about 40 yards and piled up, uh, ended up taping out at 164 and seven eighths inches that's awesome i think i just found the picture of it um and your dad's there as well in the picture just a beautiful yeah. looking buck yeah we're ecstatic super um strong bases yeah it's just beautiful symmetrical buck i was super stoked on him that's awesome and now you're bringing your dad into the stories he has so that sparked an interest for him to to be a hunter, or is he just uh, coming along? What's what's his story? Yeah, he he just come he just likes to come along and help help with logistics any way he can. He uh he's never been too into hunting. He, he shoots every now and then, but 
he just likes to he just likes to come out and enjoy the nature aspect of it while I get to do the hunting and you know he 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 get he gets pumped as well when when I harvest an animal and whatnot and, but uh yeah it's me and me and pops he he helps me out with a lot of this oh uh, you know like if I'm having a hard time pushing up a hill I'll ask him for help or whatnot or and because uh, he was there you know he's been there for me throughout my whole injury and especially those first hard couple of years so I just like to sit I like to budget extra money just to bring him along for a plane ticket you know and right yeah. no that's yeah that's helpful that support system there to for just for that that travel and the logistics that makes sense yeah absolutely um so i i didn't quite get the uh um charged by about black bear story i, I mean i read it kind of closely <laughs> but not really so what the heck is going on there yeah so that was that was a cool story we we me and dad flew out to maine upstate maine we're and the the outfitter we we're staying at was probably about uh, two miles off the Canadian, or about no, probably twenty miles off the Canadian border. Um, we we were hunting over a, a bait site, and the uh, the outfitter we were at, he was friends with a local donut guy in town, so he would get all the leftover pastries every day and put put them put them in his barrels. And those those bears, man, they loved love the sugar so they were constantly coming to his barrels and and we're sitting there um we didn't have anything in front of us i had a i had a couple all right so my wheelchair it was it was a little squeaky with the shocks so unable to get back into where the where the blind was um we had come up with the with an idea that the outfitter had a gurney so he he threw he threw me on a gurney. My dad has my my feet, and this guy has my front. And they drag drag me into the blind, put me on the floor, and then they go back, grab the wheelchair, and then carry the wheelchair so it's not squeaking and scaring everything out of the floor. <laughs> you know, it's not a natural sound for the for the for nature. Um, super cool, but we get out there. So I have this gurney in front of me. We put a couple limbs and stuff just to break up the silhouette whatnot of the gurney and uh and my dad's sitting about no more no more than four feet to my left and he's leaning up with his back against an aspen tree and um so we're we're sitting there and he he's sitting right on the floor and i'm you know i'm i'm in my wheelchair but i have this gurney the gurney's off to my right side but between me and my dad there's there was nothing there and we're sitting there and uh, a, a black bear comes in, not a big one, probably 120 pounds, 130 pounds maybe. Um, so this bear, he goes and he, he grabs a donut and he gets his donut and he goes about 10 feet to the left of the barrel. He starts, he starts munching on this donut and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I, I don't know what the, the correct term for it is, but this thing just eats just yells out a loud yelp or a bark or whatever you call it. He goes, Roof! and he turns 180 degrees and runs full speed. Well, what's what was downrange at him running full speed is me and my dad. <laughs> this, this thing, every time its paw hit the ground was thud, thud, thud. Like it was 
And this thing was honest in a heartbeat. That bear, the, the bait barrel was only 25, 30 yards from us. So this bear was honest. At, this thing got probably about five feet. And I was like, this thing's not stopping. So I throw my hands up and I go, hey, bear. And it, it sees me and it stops. And it's looking up at me and its eyes are saucered. Like his pupils were huge already because he was scared from whatever scared him at the bait site. To now he's just, he's face to face with a human. He's no, he's about three feet from me. <laughs> well, when he, when this bear stops, it, it hit, it hits all four brakes at once. Well, it kicks up rocks and dirt all over my dad, hitting my dad in the face with rocks and sticks and little branches and stuff. And he turns 90 degrees. Well, when he turns 90 degrees, he's right on top of my dad. This bear has to jump over my dad. I mean, let's, you know, like I said, the bear was not big, 120, 130 pounds. The bear's a bear, though. <laughs> yeah, and you're, and you're sitting on the ground. Your, your portfolio is three, three feet by two feet. You know what I mean? This thing is absolutely monstrous compared to you at the time so when it jumps over my dad and um its fur brushes up against my dad's arm that's how close this thing got to my dad and it jumped over jumped over my dad and took off running and i'm, I'm like holy moly like wow that was intense and i'm looking over at my dad and my dad's just staring at the ground my like, dad 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 and the fourth time i was like dad and he looks up at me, and he, his eyes were his eyes were huge, and he was like, "That was a big bear, dude." <laughs> it was like just completely spooked, man. It was so funny, dude. We just started laughing, you know. I was like, "Bro, I wasn't that big of a bear, but yeah, I mean, face to face with that thing, dude." And you know, like probably two minutes later, what had spooked me originally was just another black bear. And this, and the second black bear came in, and me and my dad were so full of adrenaline at that point. We were both we were both shaking from that experience. It was the closest I've ever been, and ever planned to be to a bear, a live bear, um, <laughs> a scared one at that. No kidding. Um, even, you know, yeah. black bears are typically not a thing that are a huge, huge concern in general, but a, there's still those times where it's, if, when it's scared, that's not the time you want to be tangling with one. There's still, it's still no. a pretty darn strong critter that'll mess you up. Oh yeah. And like I said, my dad was leaning up against that aspen. If that bear would have, my that bear was going to split me and my dad and my dad were only four feet apart. If that thing would have caught my dad a little bit, you know, with that aspen behind him, it would have, you know, it would have busted <laughs> up my dad big time. My gosh. Um, well, so how'd the, how the rest of the bear hunt pan out? Yeah, so that, that next bear that came in wasn't much bigger, probably, I don't know, 130 to 150, but I had all that adrenaline running through my body, and I was like, oh, this, this guy's bigger. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot this guy not paying attention or paying attention to the bear, but paying too much attention to the bear. I pulled it. I'm shooting a seven millimeter mag. I pull, pull the trigger and absolutely scope slap the crap out of myself, man. Like uh -oh. I, I took a divot right between the eyes and just started leaking blood, just dripping blood off my nose, off my chin. And I'm like, 
I, I draw I dropped the bear in its in its tracks and it it dropped right there. Good perfect heart shot. But I'm I'm like I got blood all over me, dude. And I'm just we're just like super pumped and laughing and we're just like, no way. But what it bummed me out the most about the entire situation is right when I got out of the truck originally, I had my GoPro on the dash mount and I was like, Oh, you know, I'm I'm gonna leave it here. I'm Oh yeah. I'm, I'm probably <laughs> I'm not I'm probably not gonna need it. Oh man, I kicking myself in the butt ever since. <laughs> would have been, would have been some good good viewing material for sure. Um, oh my gosh, I mean the memories alone were incredible, but I just wish people would see how close this bear was to us. It, yeah, it was it was a crack of good good times, and that's just something too that you know you'll you only ever experience out in nature hunting. You know, I mean, randomly that might happen to you out you know hiking or whatnot but yeah it was yeah uh, not no it's not in the same where it doesn't know you're there or it's spooked by something else or you just like you said you could see nature wake up you could see the the world wake up around you the birds start to sing the uh all the all the things that are happening as if you're not even there and and that's what makes it exciting so now i got a uh a question um you said you just went on an elk hunt uh was that this last fall or when when was um, that was three weeks ago three weeks ago oh yeah the, I, last, uh, late, the last week in january oh got it late late season hunt um yeah. so typically as we're thinking uh elk country maybe a little rougher country was this was this rougher country or or maybe out in the plains tell us about this hunt and, and um because we can see you know, you go to a blind, you're on the ground. We can, we can get as it's a, it's a hunt that's, it's doable from a wheelchair. Um, but an elk hunt, I mean, there's guys that, that are in really good shape and can climb mountains like mountain goats and still struggle with elk. What's the, what's the story on this one that, that you're able to, to connect with a cow? Yeah. So, um, it's cool. I got, so I, we flew into Salt Lake city, Utah. And our my buddy Morgan, who owns and operates Colob Outfitters, K O L O B Colob Outfitters. If you want to check him out on Instagram, it's just Colob Outfitters. Um, he picks us up from the airport, and I go and I ask him, I'm like, hey, you know, before we get to the hotel or before we uh, go out on a hunt, I would like to to shoot to shoot the rifle because he had a rifle a 300 wind mag this thing was absolutely beautiful just top top to bottom just perfect rifle um it's like yeah you know because i i want to be i want to know what the recoil the weight all that the the trigger the trigger poundage all that stuff i would you know before i go and take a shot at a at an animal i don't want to hurt anything that's that's the worst feeling out there um so we go and dials me in 450 yards for a shot and the farthest I've ever shot is 300 yards. Boom. Bullseye. All right, cool. And dials me in 750. Boom. Bullseye. I was like, dang, man, this thing's sweet. So we go and, uh, I'm in, I'm in my, I'm in a jack, a hoodie and a hoodie with a little snowboard jacket over top of it and a pair of jeans. And I, I had a buddy with me, but we go and, um, drop our drop our no we didn't even drop our stuff at the hotel yeah yeah we just went and he's like oh you want to go glass 
to see where these things are at so we we know where to go up tomorrow i'm like yeah i didn't come to sit in the hotel room man let's do this so driving driving down we're probably about two hours south of salt lake city and uh and we're just we're just driving and you know, glass and looking glass and looking didn't see anything and we get back on the road and we're driving just a little bit and uh morgan spots a herd of cows right off of the highway huh. and uh with me being in a me being in a wheelchair i'm able to shoot from the car oh sure Yep. I'm, you know, I'm able to shoot from the car with that special permit they give out. And um, these these things were right right next to the highway. And um, over there over there they have uh, game fences. They're about 10, 10 feet high just so the game doesn't run out onto the highway and you know, you don't you don't want a herd of elk on the highway with people driving fifty, sixty miles an hour. That's bad combo. So we go and we find them and we, we flip, flip a U-turn and we get get out of the truck and him and my buddy. So the, and the thing before, the night before that we got there, they got 14 to 15 inches of fresh snowfall, like a huge, a huge snowfall. So they get me out and so they pull me up off the side of the road. I didn't, I wasn't able to shoot from the car because there was a hill. So they dragged me up this hill about, probably 40 yards in this snow and 14 to 15 inches of snow. And I'm 180 <laughs> pounds and it's snow and elevation. And yeah, these, uh, my buddy and Morgan, I can't, I can't preach enough about Morgan. Great guy. Just, yeah. Good, good, solid dude. Um, so he get, they get me out and we get on top of the hill. Well, I don't know what had happened. I, they must've heard us treading through the snow or whatnot because when we saw them on the side of the road they were all spread out feeding but when we got up to the top of that hill they were grouped up and back into their herd um but there was there was one lone cow a, a nice a nice sized cow probably four five year old cow a lot of meat on her just standing in front of a tree staring just staring right at us about 270 yards out 240 270 around there um so i i let i let one rip and slid it right where the neck meets the brisket there's that that soft spot there where the neck meets the chest of you know us humans mm -hmm. and same goes with the elk and just slid it right in there and it the bullet never exited and just probably you know just swish cheese inside of it the heart, complete heart shot that heart I, I wanted to harvest the heart, but there was absolutely nothing left to eat. Um, yeah, it was, uh, then they, so she went, she didn't go 20 yards piled up and we were ecstatic. You know, we, we weren't expecting to get this done on the first night. Like I said, I'm in jeans and it's 20 degrees out snow everywhere. And it was, it was a rad experience. So then like Morgan's like, wow, man, I really, want you to get the full experience would you be um would you be against me throwing you over my shoulders and just carrying carrying you over there i was like you know absolutely not man like if you're willing bro i'm willing because you're gonna be doing you're gonna be doing all the work you know and but yeah morgan co-lob outfitters threw me over his back 
and there was a little there's a little hill where over there on these game fences that if an animal does get over there they're able to go up this little hill and they can they can jump over it from the highway side but from so the land we were hunting was blm land from the blm side you're you're not it's like a 10 foot drop but from the highway they can climb up and over um so we we get over there and he we get down there and he uh he passes my but my buddy passes me off to him when he's on the ground um and morgan huffs me 200 yards downhill through a ravine over to the over to this flat spot and then him and my buddy drag the elk probably another 30 40 yards and bring him right up to me and we were able to get some some cool memorable pictures and then uh then he had to had to huff huff me out back uphill 14 inches of snow and yeah man it was a my gosh and this was all this is all first first afternoon yeah what'd you do the rest of the time get a get to go sightsee check out some things or go along with other hunts well, it was cool. The next day, he had a couple buddies out in the field, so he just drove us around to all his his spots and whatnot to go glassing, and uh, we got we were able to glass. But then he was like, you know, I don't want you guys to be stuck in your hotel room. Would you can I'll let you borrow my truck. And then his wife's like, Are you sure you trust these guys? And Morgan's like, Yeah, they're good dudes. You know, I'm like I, you know, I wouldn't steal a guy's truck. He's got my my elk, you know, and but uh. Yeah, we're going, and he lets us borrow his truck, and we're just like, "Oh, there's a road. Let's see where it goes." And we're just, just going off into the backcountry. Well, one road, we went a little too far, and I, and I told my buddy who's driving, I was like, "Hey, man, you should stop, dude. The snow's getting pretty deep. We should, uh, we should flip a U-turn." So when he had stopped the car to go turn around, the hill was kind of slanted to the left. And right when he shut that car off, we slid down into down right into the berm. Oh, we geez. got we got stuck, dude. We got stuck about halfway up to our wheel well. Um, we got stuck and we got out three times, but then the, the final time we just we couldn't move and had to call Morgan. Well, Morgan's two hours north of me at home with his wife. They came in, uh, we're stuck, dude. And so he wasn't the happiest camper, you know. He had to he had to find a buddy with a side by side to come and pull us out. And uh, he wasn't the happiest camper, man. Obviously not, nobody would be, but he came out, saved the day. Like I said, I can't save enough about this guy. Super cool guy, super nice dude. Well, well, it kind of sounds like um I mean you got different states are going to have to have their own permitting things for um, disabled hunters. Like we have that same thing here in South Dakota. You get a doctor's note, submit the paperwork, all that. And you're going to definitely have to navigate some logistics and all that. Do you spend uh, a lot of time just at home researching all these things, these things or uh, rely on those outfitters? What's your, your methods of, of dealing with those barriers? Cause I mean, I, I know I still got to figure out even my hunt plan for next fall. And that's just, I need to sit down and do it just, and, and I'm a motivated hunter. I, I hunt and think about hunting year round. I want to do it, but I just haven't done it yet for someone that, that has another barrier in the way. 
what are you doing to, to get these hunts planned and organized and, and, uh, make them happen? So the main, the main thing I check out first is lodging. Um, I, you know, my wheelchair is 28 inches wide from the outside of the wheel, the outside of the wheel. So I call, I call outfitters and I make sure that I'm first able to fit into the bedroom, uh, door frame, you know, mm. cause a lot of, a lot of door frames yeah. over, around the country from what I've found out the hard way aren't very wide. Um, I, so yeah, first thing is the door frame. Second thing is the bathroom door frame. I, you know, I don't want to go commit to something and have to go and, you know, poop in the woods or, uh, you know, or what, whatever the case may be. But yeah, sometimes it's like with Morgan, he, he paid for a, a hotel room and we got a handicap access hotel room, but yeah, a lot of spots. That's the first thing I make sure of is the just the door widths to thing. And you know, if there's if there's stairs to the front of the house, it's no big deal, you know, because I could have the outfitter and my dad or whoever I'm with, and you know. But some sometimes like I'll fly out to hunt and I'll, I'll go solo hunting myself, you know. Like I, when pops can't make it, I'm not gonna let that stop me. Um, but there's there's always people willing to help out there, you know, and that's why I just. I can't emphasize enough, you know, there's so many people are so worried, I mean, people in my position, wheelchair position, are just worried about the unknown, you know, it's, it's a big, it's a big scary world out there, especially if you're in a wheelchair and there's a lot that can happen and a lot that can, you know, go wrong. So a lot of people just stay home and they never get to go out and adventure and live life and see what the world has to offer. And, I just like I I like that stuff. I like going out there and figuring out as we go along, you know. So mm-hmm. that's uh, the main thing. Yeah, it's just door door frames to the bedroom and the bathroom, and basically anything else. We figure out figure it out when we're out there. Figure it out as we go. Yeah. So what's next? What's the next? Uh, I mean, we're we're in kind of the off season for the most part, but there's still things going on. Are you planning for the fall or what do you have on the docket? Yeah, this fall, I'm going to see, I got, you know, I got a couple, um, some tags here and nothing. I mean, I'm, I got my name in the lottery in a couple States for elk and mule deer. Um, I got that white, that whitetail hunt out in Kansas. I go to is a, uh, is an every year thing. And we're blessed to have a family friend out there who has some property. Awesome. So again, going to be doing that and then hopefully pull on some of these elk tags uh not not nothing nothing's written in stone yet it, mm-hmm. you know it's it's february I'll start dealing with that a little bit later on here but hopefully i want to try to get out and get a, a bigger black bear nice so i'm gonna figure that out um and then i got my first here in the in about three weeks out in Florida, I got my first three gun, three gun match. Oh, um, nice. It's called battle buddy three gun. And it's a bunch of, bunch of cool guys. who take people in wheelchairs and they give us our own three gun match. They got a, a wheelchair that they MacGyvered out there and it's, and they, they smash around from station to station, you know, and first station's rifles. Second one's 
shotgun and the third one's pistol and so i got got my first three gun match here in about three weeks and then um and then with summertime out here in southern california we have a killer fishery like we get a lot of huge tuna oh uh, yeah all sh great shark fishing all kinds of stuff so i focus on that but this this fall hopefully we'll see uh we'll see where, where the cards fall you know nothing set in stone as of now um maybe even go out to florida and get another alligator yeah no that makes sense that's, that's exciting well um i wanted to let you plug whatever you want right now and and uh, i know instagram is t8 underscore outdoors outdoors outdoorsman. outdoorsman outdoorsman there it is so uh yeah plug anything else you want and yeah i appreciate you coming on and, and telling these stories cool yeah thanks guys for listening uh like you said my instagram is t8 underscore outdoorsman um there's a t8 outdoorsman out there that's my old account but instagram locked me out because i said something they didn't like so mm -hmm. i had to start a whole new account um t8 underscore outdoorsman um, yeah, I follow, follow some of my adventures, man. I'm just trying to get out there and just show, show some of the extremes to what you're able, you're still able to do in wheelchairs. You know, like I said, there's a lot of people out there who are, who are stuck in the, the prison of the mind and they, they're too scared. I just want to let you guys know that there's, there's always, there's always a way and there's so many cool people out there especially in the outdoors world who are who are willing to help just reach out and people are people are stoked to help you know people want to help you um yeah just keep on keeping on and i'm just super stoked that you had me on here and uh hopefully the right people hear it yeah yeah thanks again and uh we'll let you get back to your day thanks buddy enjoy yours all right is God's country.